What's up, everyone? Welcome back to NYU Grads Daily Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 3rd, and um, what I have been kind of warning and um, giving data on for the past weeks has come to fruition. Just yesterday on the Monday session data, I had noted that breath was horrible, and they had sold everything and moved into the Magnificent Seven on Monday, and that was the only thing that was keeping up the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ. And on Substack Notes, I had posted that the Russell 2000 was down 1.58% on Monday, and if you were to translate that same percentage move down for the Dow and NASDAQ and S&Ps, just on the Dow, we would have had over a 500-point drop. And basically, when you see that, a couple things happen. The next day, or the few sessions following, you either will have a uh, successful save, meaning that, hey, we saved the market by buying it, the Magnificent 7, and the waters are clear let's start buying back up all the other stuff that crashed um, and pick up those pieces like you know DraftKings and all these other risky companies like you know AMC GameStop that's option A option B is they simply come after the big names and that's what happened today uh, the markets kind of faked out a, a small rally up until 10 a.m. The breath was not strong. Um, and sure enough, at 10 a.m., the sell-off was not a slow sell-off. I mean, that bar, that five-minute bar at 10 a.m. in New York was huge. And it just was accelerated selling all day long. Heavy, heavy volume. Um so this was a really bad day for bulls or anyone looking at their 401ks or passively invested in the stock market and just trust their financial advisor or trust that the government and the Federal Reserve will save them once again. Uh, taking a look here at breath today was really bad. It's You thought yesterday was bad when I say like there's 80 new highs and 700 new lows digest this there were on october 3rd tuesday 41 new highs 1226 new lows right now you have 85 percent of the market trading under the 50-day moving average you now have and i haven't reported on the 200 day but now i have to because you now have 72% of the NYSC, the Amex, and the NASDAQ. 72% under the 200-day moving average. Okay? That's really bad. Um, we had 17% of shares advancing and basically 80% shares declining. Uh, every sector except utilities was red uh, the leading to the downside 
the biggest loser of the day in sectors was consumer cyclical, then real estate, then technology, then financial. The fact that financials are breaking down pretty hard is not good news. If you look at KRE or KBE, the regional banks, they look horrible. If you look at even JP Morgan or especially Citi or Bank of America, they are near the SVB crisis lows. So there's something going on with financials and banks. Possibly are we going to see before the new year more SVB First Republic type bank failures? I do not know. But the action in some of these financials is telling me that there is a big uh, plume of smoke in financials. No one knows where the fire is, but there is definitely smoke coming out of financials right now. So that's an area to watch um, for sure. Um, what else kind of stuck out to me today? You know, it, it was just really, really ugly today. Uh, when I look at the futures, it's already down 55 points on the Dow. The S&P futures is down 0.2%. Uh, the small caps are down almost half a percent. And I'm recording this at 9.30 New York time. So yeah, this was a pretty bad day. You know, the only thing I can really say to the upside is that we're very oversold on any uh, momentum indicator, whether you look at stochastics, whether you look at uh, VWAP, whether you look at RSI. We're very oversold. So, and again, I want to mention historically... Q4, Christmas, holidays, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all of these are uh, tailwinds that help push the market up in Q4. And historically, it has been a green quarter. But with all of that said, I mentioned at the end of September, how we closed September that last week was going to set the tone for the rest of the year. And that's what's playing out. So historically, yes, Q4 has been bullish, but that doesn't mean 100% has been bullish. So this year could be the anomaly. I have a hunch that yields are now sticking up its middle finger at Jerome Powell and saying, look, you may want to be higher for longer, but with all of this debt outstanding for the government, for households, for corporations, the risk profile needs to be higher. John Doe, Jane Doe should not be paying $1,200 a month for a G-Wagon when they're living in uh, poor conditions and can't pay the bills. So in this time, we're going to have to increase in interest rates because we don't know if we're going to get that asset back in return. So when you take a look at consumer debt, commercial debt, corporate debt, government debt, what yields is telling me is that yields are still too cheap for the risk, for the, for the risk reward for a bank to lend to a company, to a person, the risk is too high. Even at 
3.3% uh, 10 year yield. The 10 year yield, and I'll post this chart, it is breaking out like a tech stock. Okay, once we broke out of that 43 on the TNX, which is uh, it tracks the 10 year yield. So right now, TNX is at 48, but the 10 year yield is 4.8. Once the 10-year yield TNX U.S. Treasury index broke out of 43, it looks like it's going to go to 5 near term, okay? Uh, easy easy 5% uh, 10-year yield, potentially higher. We can go up to 7, um, and, and you have to think, can the real estate market, can corporate debt that needs to be rolled over uh, starting this year to the next uh, 24 months, can it sustain a 7% 10-year treasury yield? The answer is, of course, no, okay? Because a lot of these companies that are, you know, 50 employees to 2,000 employees, tech startups, they're heavily in debt. They're not making a profit, and they're running out of cash. That's exactly what happened with SVB. SVB at the time was a client of mine when I was working for a SoftBank company during the collapse. And so just, I don't want to go into all the mechanics of this, but because yields were increasing from the Fed, no fault of the bank, okay? They, um, when the rates were low, they had assets on the book at low interest rates. And when the yields went higher, it basically forced them to raise capital. And they didn't have that capital in the bank because all of their clients, these tech companies in Silicon Valley, they're bleeding cash. They don't make a profit, right? So every month, every quarter, they're losing money. Yes, they're making sales and revenue, but their outflow of cash is sometimes 2 to 4x their income the revenue in. So they have to go to their VCs, they have to go to the bank, ask for financing to fund all of this. And when they couldn't, they had to use their whatever cash they had in the bank to pay the bills, to pay the payroll, to pay vendors. So if you are Silicon Valley Bank, that money of savings from these companies are leaving the bank People are legitimately asking to withdraw 20000 here, 50000 here, 80000 here, right, to pay stuff. So the bank is being drained out of uh, cash, same as you and me run on the banks, go to the bank and take our money out. They're doing it to pay bills, to pay vendors, to pay employees. So SVB got stuck that way. So this can easily happen again. Because nothing was changed. They just papered over what happened with a few banks earlier this year, uh, sold the good assets to companies like JP Morgan, and backstopped the bad assets. So again, there is smoke in the financial market right now for financials. So keep an eye on the banking sector. Let's roll through some charts today. So I'm going to look at the dollar um, index, the DXY. This is not as bullish as the 10-year yield, uh, but 
its trajectory is higher. So we had a near-term high of like 113 uh, back in October of last year. We're nowhere near that. Uh, we're roughly at like 106. So we have 10 more points to go to reach last year's high on the dollar index. Uh, maybe we'll find resistance there, uh, providing some relief. Uh, but it looks like, you know, nothing's going to stop it from getting to 110 to 115, the dollar. Uh, I told you the 10-year yield, this can easily go to 7% at this trajectory. And I'll post all these charts in the show notes. Uh, the volatility index, VIX, it's breaking out, okay? I mentioned to you guys, I, I, I feared I would never get the opportunity to go in all in on volatility under uh, single digits. And I was waiting, but when we hit, um, what what was that? What week was that? I think it was like back in May, when we hit like twelve eighty nine. I just felt like that day there was enough volume in, in um, short type assets that the volatility and the VIX was going to bottom there, and I loaded up, um, and I'm still long on volatility. Uh, and I'm short in other areas. I'm not going to share, again, my positions uh, because this is not a premium platform, and I am going to launch that sometime later this year or early in 2024 where I will share uh, what I am, uh, what is in my portfolio, what I am targeting in the next weeks and months to get into and what prices. But... Uh, I am more leaning to the bearish side right now. And I have been um, probably since the summertime. I took a, a big hiatus because I felt like everything was just a magnificent seven. But I started to see some cracks where I felt that the magnificent seven would crack eventually to the downside. And that's happened. And now I'm very active. Um, I believe the volatility index at VIX can easily get to 25. If we reach 25, we might back off a little bit and test to the downside, get new buyers in, um, and if the market is also going down at the same time and things really get nasty and there is no Superman that saves us, after 25, I think the VIX can go to 36 in the heartbeat. Um, so I'll share with you guys these charts again later today when I publish this. If you look at ITB and XHB, which are the home builders uh, and the building stocks, they are right now at a critical juncture. They're sitting on the 200-day moving average. I'm. If this was a textbook, if you were to transport me two years down the road from today in 2025, you know, and I had to like, you know, you you forced me to paint what this chart would look like in two years. It should bounce here. It should bounce at the 200 day up to like, you know, the, the falling 50 day, which is at like 85 right now. So we closed today at 75 on the ITB. We should bounce here to the 50 day moving average. But I don't know if we are. Uh, we may overshoot the 200 day a little bit. We might go down to like 70 before we start to backtest, right? I, I'm in wait and see mode. Um, 
if you look at JP Morgan, uh, JP Morgan right now is under the 50-day. It's hanging off a cliff. If we break um, this 142 level, we're going to be at the 200-day moving average. If JP Morgan breaks down from the 200-day uh, moving average, the next area of support, the 200-day moving average is about 139. The next level of support is 124. So that's a big drop for JP Morgan if it breaks 200-day. If you look at LQD, corporate uh, junk bonds, that looks like it's going to uh, just puke. It looks like a upside-down cup and handle. Uh, the measured move, just eyeballing this, is like 70. Okay, it closed at 99. SMH is the semiconductors. Semiconductors like NVIDIA, Intel, AMD, they led up on the bull market. Uh, SMH right now is breaking its head and shoulder pattern. If we break the 140 level on SMH, we're easily going to go to the 200-day moving average at 133. And if that breaks, we're going down to 120. So uh, that's not looking good. Uh, TLT, which is the um, bond prices, man, this looks horrible. Uh, we closed TLT at 85. I can easily see us going 80, maybe on Wednesday. Uh, and if we can't find support, TLT could go down uh, to six to 70. Three, in a blink of an eye. But it has to find a bottom of support somewhere, right? These are very oversold right now. Um, another thing I want to mention is VinFast Autos. I've been warning about these SPACs um, and how Wall Street is bringing these SPACs out to market. VinFast Auto, after the IPO, it zoomed to like 90 bucks, And that was in August, okay? We are now in October 3rd. It closed at $9.26. There's no coming back from that. If you invested $50,000 on uh, VinFast Auto like at $70 and you held till now, there's no coming back. You're going to have to hope that they somehow beat Elon and Tesla in, in, in 20 years and hope that it'll come back. But um, this is the kind of stuff why I always say do not buy SPACs. No matter what your brother, what your mother, what your cousin, what your broker, what a, a talking head on, on Bloomberg or CNBC says, just stay away from these SPACs. And another perfect example of a soft bank company, uh, WeWork, okay, they did a reverse split just to avoid being delisted just a few weeks ago, right? They were under a buck. They reversed, uh, and reverse engineered the reverse split, and they were they opened up at like three dollars and fifty cents, and then it boomed up to five dollars. Well, guess what? I should have shorted that. I really should have shorted it. I didn't, but um, I should have shorted this at five dollars. Uh, it is now below. The price it was at before the reverse split. So these are the type of crappy games that Wall Street is playing with your money. Uh, let's look at Apple. I'm going to go through the Magnificent Seven. 
they're all in trouble right now. They're all under the 50-day. Um, you know, the only chance this market has right now is if Wall Street, forget you and me, we don't have enough money to stop the bleeding. People like J.P. Morgan, BlackRock, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, they're the ones that are going to have to press the buy button on Apple, Amazon, Google, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla because they're all under the 50-day. Apple is under it. Their phones are having an issue. Apple admitted that there's a heating issue, um, and they're releasing software. So I'm still trying to buy the iPhone 15, but I'm kind of waiting because I don't want to buy this thing for $1,000 and it just be a, a dud of a phone. You know, I'm perfectly happy with my Samsung and Android, but uh, just with peer pressure and just wanted to see what it was like. Maybe they improved the phone. I wanted to try it, but I'm kind of in the fence. And if I'm on the fence as an Android user, who is lining up to buy these phones? Uh, looking at Amazon under the 50-day critical area of support here, we can easily fall to the 200 moving average. 200-day moving average, which is at 113. We closed today at 124. Google, um, probably the, one of the stronger of the bunch. It's actually trading right above the 50-day moving average. It's, it's holding support there. It's really tight. We've been hugging the 50-day moving average since September 21st. Every day, we're just hugging that 50-day moving average. But if we break that and we lose the 50-day moving average, we're going to express elevator to 120 or 115. Facebook, which ticker symbol is Meta, that's also pretty strong right now. Again, hugging that 50-day moving average. Uh, basically, since August uh, of this year, Microsoft, um, we are under the 50-day. The 50-day moving average is falling. If we lose 310 bucks, that level of support, we're easily going to go to 300. Uh, the 200-day moving average is at 295 dollars, so we're going to probably test that 200-day moving average. Nvidia, one of the you know biggest uh, attribution uh, cohorts of this bull market, um, we are testing this interim trend line from May. We are under the 50-day. If we lose this trend line from May, we're going to express elevator uh, down to the 200-day moving average at $324. And we closed at 435 Okay, so that's 100 points that I, I see potentially NVIDIA losing if we lose this interim trend line. Tesla... Uh, is also um, right at the 50-day moving average. It is also sitting on a support uh, trend line that dates back to August of 2020. Uh, it seems like an important line. It's been it's been support and resistance uh, for Tesla. If we lose that, we're going to easily get to the 200-day moving average, which right now is at $206. We closed at 246. So that's roughly, uh, that's exactly 40 points potential loss on Tesla right there. So that's a summary of um, today's market. It was really, really ugly. And there, were, there wasn't even really crazy news that came out um, today uh, at 10 o'clock other than some job opening numbers.
But Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you have the ADP report at 8.15. You have factory order numbers at 10 o'clock. You have a Fed uh, Governor uh, Bauman speaking at a banking conference at 10.25 a.m. And then you have the Chicago Fed President, uh, Goolsby, giving some welcoming remarks at a banking symposium. I don't know what he's going to say. He's probably going to have some witty joke. Um, But that's Wednesday. Uh, I'm checking the futures again. Right now it's 945. Uh, I started this recording the show where the futures were down on the Dow 50 points. We're now down 119 points on the Dow. We're down uh, 16 points or 0.39% on the S&P futures. We're down 51 points or 0.36% on the NASDAQ 100. And now we're down 12 points or 0.7% on the Russell 2000. This is as of 946 New York. So it looks like um, there's heavy selling going on right now uh, in the overnight market. Let's see what happens with Asia and London and then how we open on Wednesday. But um, it's time to put your big boy pants on. This is going to get really bad, I think, unless someone steps in with a cape and says, I will save the financial system. Uh, so let's see what happens. We are oversold. We may bounce, okay? If we bounce hard, look for volume. You want to see volume, 2 to 3x normal average volume um, on a lot of risk assets like the Magnificent Seven, like Broadcom, Netflix, DraftKings, all those type of risk names like Shopify, Adobe. You want to see all of those you turn on a dime, 3x average volume, and watch breath because it can easily fake us out. And, you know, in the morning before 10, 10, 30, start rallying overnight on thin trading. And then like today at 10, 10, 30, just the rug gets pulled out of you, right? And I, I haven't even gone into detail, but a ton of folks are in zero DTE or zero or one day uh, options expiration trades. So I, I have a hunch that, the market makers are uh, intentionally taking all this premium in from suckers who are betting, oh, you know, the pre-market's up 100. Let's go all in on zero-day, uh, you know, expiration option calls for today. I think, you know, SPY's going to go up. They buy at 9.30, 9.40, and then, you know, 9.55, they're all happy because the markets are going up 150 points, and then bam, down 500 points. You can't recover from that, right? You have no expiration. That that junk expires today, right? There's no way to hedge that unless when you bought that call option, uh, you also bought some uh, counter-risk put options as well, um, collars or straddles. Uh, So this is going to be war in Q4. This is not going to be easy on either side. So, like I said, put on your big boy pants. This is going to be a bumpy ride. I'll see you guys on the next podcast.